Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. everybody. This is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to episode 72 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. How are you today, Abby? I'm doing well. It's Friday, it so is Friday. I'm getting better by the minute. It How is are Friday. you? I am great. I am thrilled it's Friday. It's been kind of a crazy week. Um, so bring it on. Bring it on the weekend. Has. I hope everybody is having a great summer. I know school is getting closer and closer. If you go to school or have children in school. It's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Summer goes by so fast. And I feel like every year schools start earlier and earlier. It does. It um, absolutely does. And it's, it's been crazy. really hot. So really there's nothing else to do besides go sit in a nice air-conditioned school. So. Right. Exactly. It's probably not that bad. No. So today we're doing something a little bit different. Right. So we have had so many people reaching out to us either via email, phone calls, um, contacting us through our website, wanting to understand more about ADHD evaluations and what a good thorough ADHD evaluation consists of. And Lori was a guest on another podcast and talked about ADHD evaluations. I was also a guest on an ADHD coaches live webinar on Facebook talking about ADHD evaluations. So it's something that a lot of people want to know more about. They do. We're getting a ton of questions. Even a lot of doctors, pediatricians, general practitioners, psychiatrists are not wanting to diagnose ADHD any longer just sitting talking to you for 10 minutes in their clinic or having you fill out a one-page survey and, you know, they're referring you to people like us that do diagnostic evaluations. So we thought because of the the response and and the the amount of people wanting to know about ADHD evaluations, we're going to share with you this podcast that Lori did where she is talking about ADHD evaluations, what they should include, what they should not include, and kind of what makes up a really good, thorough ADHD evaluation. And the guest or the host of this podcast is somebody that is probably going to sound a little bit familiar, Trina Haynes, my lady ADHD, because she was a guest on our podcast a couple episodes back. So um, you guys, hopefully you'll enjoy. I think it's a really great, it's it's very conversational. We had a great talk about it. I think there was some good information presented. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode from My Lady ADHD all about the evaluation process. I wanted to share a little bit of a story of a gift that I received yesterday. So my birthday is this weekend, which is really exciting. Of course, I never know how old I am because I can't remember that, but I am excited about my birthday nonetheless. And yesterday, my daughter gave me a birthday gift and I shared it on Instagram because I just thought it was the sweetest thing ever. But then the more I thought about it, the more of an impact it had on me. So my daughter is 13 years old and for the past 10 years or so, we have been brushing our teeth together every night. Even when I go out of town, we will FaceTime each other and brush our teeth together. It's just something that we've done and I like it. 
But something that's been happening probably the last year or so is that a couple nights a week, I will not be able to tell which toothbrush is mine. So I'll ask her like, hey, which toothbrush is mine? Like, I just can't remember, which I attribute that to the fact that I have ADHD and I have really bad memory. So yesterday I opened up a gift from her and it is a toothbrush that she has had shipped to our house and it has the word mom written on it. So basically what happened is my daughter made an accommodation for me. It's that simple. There's a lot of talk on LinkedIn and in the corporate world of how to accommodate um, neurodivergent people. And companies are really struggling with how to make accommodations for people with ADHD in the workplace. And this simple toothbrush example kind of opened my eyes to see like how simple it really can be. My daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, saw that I was struggling. She came up with a solution and she did it. And it helps. It doesn't need to be super complicated. We just need people to help us if they can. It's really what every decent human being should be doing. I'm really, really proud of my daughter for even coming up with this idea to help me with this issue that I've been having. And I'm proud of the giant, big, fat heart that she has. So yeah, that was probably my best birthday present that I've received in a really long time. And it was a $3 toothbrush. So that's what's been going on in my world. That's a small piece into the Trina puzzle of what's been happening this week. But also I've been having some amazing conversations with podcast guests. And today's episode is no different. Today I talk with Lori Peterson. She is the executive director of Diagnostic Learning Services. And here we talk all about the ADHD testing process. I really wanted this to be one of the first episodes because this is such a common question that I hear in the ADHD community of how do I get diagnosed? What does the diagnosis process look like? What are some things that I should look out for when trying to get tested for ADHD? And we address all of those in this conversation. We talk about the different types of ADHD testing. And Lori also has ADHD, so we talk a little bit about her experience as someone who has ADHD. This is a very important episode, and it's one that I think that is shareable, that if you know somebody that thinks that may have ADHD, we think this is an episode that you can share with people that will help to point them in the right direction. So I hope you enjoy it. So here we go, my conversation with Lori Peterson. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm joined by my friend and guest, Lori Peterson. Lori is the founder and executive director of Diagnostic Learning Services. And I am so glad you're here because we're going to talk about such an important topic, which is um, the the testing process, testing for ADHD and like why that's complicated, first of all, <laughs> why it can be complicated and the types of testing and just what what are the steps here? Because that's kind of what I hear so often in the ADHD community is that it can be really overwhelming to get tested for ADHD um, and people just don't know where to start. So Lori? Welcome to the show, first of all. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've almost got a full voice. Fighting with my voice, I got a little bit sick, and it, apparently it just settled in my in my throat. So, but, it's beautiful. Um, I like it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> but I'm super excited. You know, this is what I do for a living. I'm, I'm, I could talk about this every day, all day. 
Um, and I will agree with you that I feel like people right now are extremely frustrated with the process. They can't find people to do it. The people, when they do find somebody, they don't, they're not sure it was thorough or they got a good, you know, was it the right process? Did they do the right test? Did, do I really have ADHD? And interestingly, I have a lot of, I've read a lot of people that come back and say, they said, I didn't have it. This is crazy. I don't understand. I swear I have it. So I think it's important for people to understand what they should be looking for when they go talk to somebody about getting assessed. Um, the other thing I'm running into too, is that people are telling me they're having to wait like six months. Yeah. And I, well, that's in the U S I've heard horror stories from other countries that is up to a two year wait in some countries. Yeah. In some countries it's like a two year wait just to get seen. And then there's the cost, which varies greatly from country to country. Um, and it's just not accessible to a lot of people outside of the U S which is just horrifying. Um, there's just a lot more that needs to happen, um, in other places, but in the U S yeah, you're right. There's sometimes a long wait. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's awful. It's, it's kind of brutal. And I'm, I'm feeling like we are about to come around the curve on that and then it's getting better. What do you, how do you feel? I do. I do feel like it's getting better, but I do feel like thanks to social media, thanks to people like you, the, there's more awareness. And so more people are thinking, gosh, that could be me. So I do feel like the demand is what's driven the weights, right? Like more people are wanting to get tested. They're, they're learning about it. They suspect they might have it. And as somebody with ADHD, there's nothing worse than deciding, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to do it now. And then someone saying, okay, well, we can see you in six months. It's like, no, I've, I've already thought about this for six months. I want to do it yeah. now. Well, and especially for someone like with ADHD, like if I schedule an appointment for six months from now, you can bet your hiney that I'm probably missing that appointment. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to remember. I have ADHD. Like this Hello. is not, yeah, like I'm going to forget about that appointment and then I'm going to have to reschedule. And just getting to the point of calling and making the appointment is a process for someone with ADHD. So someone with ADHD, I guarantee you, it was not an easy process to even pick up the phone and make the phone call. And then you get put on a wait list of sorts, or you get like a fishy feeling when you call and they, they make you feel like it's not a valid thing. And it's just icky sometimes. And I've, I've heard like literal horror stories from people about the diagnosis process. And I'm hearing less of them because I do think it's getting better, but it's definitely still an issue. Um, And so I wanted to hear from you a little bit more about what diagnostic learning services does. I know you do testing, um, but what does the testing process like start to finish? Like, what does that look like? Sure. So that's easy. So, and it's funny when you said that whenever we have someone that can't, that calls and schedules an ADHD um, assessment, when they no show us or forget about it, we're always like, okay, check one, probably have ADHD. <laughs> like probably yeah. don't even need to test. That really know. should be part of the test. Like how difficult was it for you to get here today? Like, Right, right. Not real. I don't know why that's not on the test. Like, and, or, how or many times in their paperwork, or you know, things like that. We're always yeah. like, we, we keep notes of all that, and we'll make, we'll put it in the report. Like they were fifteen minutes late to the appointment, okay. or because it does. I always all yeah. part of it. I always wonder if they like took that into account. Like Trina didn't show up the first three times. Like I'm going to document this because I think that is an important takeaway. I don't sure. think someone without ADHD struggles that greatly to make it to their appointment or, you know, 
sometimes we show up at the wrong building in the wrong town at the wrong time on the wrong day. Like this is real. And it does happen to like most of us, I think with Mm -hmm. ADHD. Oh, for sure. For sure. So yeah, I love that you like take that into account. (laughs) Take all that into consideration. So we do, uh, we do different types of testing. So we do testing for learning disabilities. We do testing for ADHD for, for somebody who's in college or for students in school, our ADHD evaluation is much more robust because they're going to need different types of documentation in order to submit to their school for accommodations, things like that. But for an adult who is really just saying, look, you know, I think I have it. I don't need, you know, accommodations on any kind of test. I just want to find out if I have it. We don't really look at the learning piece. We really just focus on processing um, executive functioning skills and true attention, focus, concentration, impulsivity issues. But I still think even with that, it's really important that wherever you go to get an evaluation, that you're getting a thorough evaluation. You know, I know we went through a phase and I still think you're getting it in some places um, where you might fill out a questionnaire. They might talk to you for 10 minutes and be like, yep, you've got it. And you know what? Sometimes they might be right, but sometimes they're not. <laughs> and so yeah, I've had that. You, that is actually yeah. how I was first diagnosed was like, I'm telling you, it was like 10 or 15 I was questions. Yeah. yeah. And I just felt at the time, like, really? Like it's this it? simple. I didn't. Yeah. And it wasn't quite thorough enough. And I've since then I've had other more thorough testing that obviously proves that it was ADHD, but I don't like that. I want it to be more thorough. I think we all do. You guys do a little bit more thorough testing, I'm guessing. We do. So we include some standardized testing. We look at things like working memory and we look at how you process things verbally. It's really interesting. People with ADHD, we talk about those executive functioning skills like organization, right? So is your room organized? Is your house organized? Is your car organized? But can you organize your thoughts? Can you explain things? Can you process things verbally? Can I get? Can I give you instructions? Can you give me information back? How does that process look? And so we use some standardized measures to look at at those skills, but we're also making a lot of observations, like how much think time did they need before they gave a response? You know, did they kind of stutter over their words? Did they go back? Did they give an answer? And then did they self-correct and be like, wait, that's not right because they're a little bit impulsive. So while we get some good standardized data and we talk about standardized testing, we talk about testing that's used, you know, it's nationally standardized. And all that means is a, we give it the same way to everybody. We ask the questions the same way. The, The responses are scored the same way, even though we're making observations on the side. But it also takes how you perform and compares you against peers your same exact age across the country. So that's that's valuable information to know, okay, yeah, my memory compared to somebody else my age um, or my especially working memory is weak, which is pretty typical with people with ADHD. Not everybody with ADHD has weak working memory on a standardized test. That's why we want to gather other data. So we do the standardized portion. We always get information from them as far as symptoms, but an observer somebody like a roommate, a spouse, somebody, Mm. a parent that can tell us what they're observing. Because a lot of times we're much harder on ourselves than maybe what's realistic, right? Like, Or we're like missing things. Like I have a good example of this. Like I took a um, QB check test and Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll get into that. that. Yeah. We've talked about that before. But when I went into the test, I, it asked me like, how do you, how often do you fidget or move around in your chair? And I was like, I don't do that much. Like, I don't like average. Um, Mm -hmm. Excuse me. No, I fidget more than 96% of the population after taking that test. Like, so 
if you're quizzing yourself on what you think your symptoms are, like it's all kind of relative. Like I didn't think I fidgeted in my chair because like I live with myself. This is how right. I am. <laughs> I didn't realize like how often I was doing it. But when you compare my fidgeting to the rest of the population, it's a lot more. And I never noticed that. So that's a good point to like someone else's perspective or a test like the QB testing uh, is so like validating because I was shocked by that result. So we should talk about QB since that's a good segue. We could talk about another kind of testing process that you guys use that I'm um, pretty well aware of because I've worked with them a few times. Um, But let's let people know what's the QB test. So the QB test have. is an objective <laughs> measure. It's 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 it falls under the classification of a continuous performance test. You'll hear CPT a lot, um, but it's an objective measure. I love that test. I love an objective measure because it's not your mom's opinion, it's not your roommate's opinion, it's not even your opinion. It's truly what you can do when you're faced with a boring task. And I think it's important to remind people that ADHD, people with ADHD, it's not so much a deficit of attention. It's knowing how to regulate your attention. And people with ADHD, if it's interesting or engaging, those chemicals in your brain get fired up and you are all in. You could do it all day. The minute it's boring, our chemicals, I always tell people, our chemicals just, and this is my very scientific explanation, kind of drop to that level that's below normal. And we can't focus on the boring stuff, the stuff that's hard, the stuff that isn't interesting. We want to go to sleep. So the QB test is an objective measure and you do it on the computer. You can either do it in office, but we also, we use it a ton virtually, which I think might be the one you did, or you do it on your own home yeah. computer. Yeah. For adults, it's 20 minutes and it is, it's a boring task. You're watching shapes on the screen and you have to hit the space bar when you see a specific pattern. The camera is measuring the amount of time you move and how much you're moving you know, around. And it's interesting because even though the, the camera on your computer is obviously looking at your face... It really can pick up what they call micro events, tapping your foot, tapping your hand, things that Mm. you don't think the camera can see. It can pick up on that, which is so cool to me. Um, It measures impulsivity. So it measures your response time. It takes all of those parameters and puts together some scores. And it really does tell you where you fall with your ability to maintain focus and attention, how distracted you get. Um, your impulsivity and your movement, how much you move during that time. Now, we have had people with our in-office one, I can't see people at home, but at in-office, we've had people fall asleep. (gasps) And as you know, with ADHD, you're super bored. You can tend to get drowsy. Um, And so we've had people fall asleep, which is comical because their movement is very little because they're sleeping, but they're also not doing anything on the screen. Well, that Um, speaks volumes to me though. I mean, yeah, they didn't move a lot, but they couldn't handle a 20 minute test and it made them fall asleep. Yeah. And I I will tell you a little bit of my experience with the QB test was one, it was so boring that I was tortured. I mean, it was 20 minutes of like torture, uh, which I'm not saying that like, I'm not saying that people shouldn't use the test because it was so like eye-opening for me that I could not sit through a 20 minute, very simple test. I, left the test, the 20 minute test feeling exhausted. I felt like I had run a marathon and my body hurt, like physically exhausted from taking a 20 minute boring test. I was wiped out the rest of the night. I told my husband Mm -hmm. it was like the most awful test and it wasn't, I'm, I'm not speaking very well of it, but the results were crazy. And just seeing how 
how tortured I was after 20 minutes, it brought me back to high school. It brought me back to middle school and what I felt like in school all day long, feeling like exhausted from these types of tests. And it made me think about all of the kids in middle and high school right now or in college that are in that position for eight hours a day. And I wanted to cry. Like, I just feel so bad that people with ADHD are put in that position in schools where they're completely bored and they're tortured. And when they get home, they're wiped out. And it's just that 20 minute snippet reminded me so much of my youth. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was really kind of eye opening, but also just sad to like see what I've been through in that. Right. In that little snippet. And I don't, I'm wondering if that's like how, what other people say after taking the they test. Do. We've had, I actually had someone email me today um, and she just finished the one at home. And she said when she finished, there was smoke coming out of her ears. <laughs> oh, She's like, it yeah. just hurt my brain so bad. You know, it's funny because I think about that and I, I obviously, you know, have had ADHD all my life, didn't get diagnosed till I was an adult, but I remember sleeping through class. Cause I was so, uh, me too. Like, I put a movie on and I would try to stay focused and yeah. I would just be like, I would just doze right off. And it was mortifying. Yeah. I, I didn't help too. it, but I will tell you that it's super important that you have multiple pieces to your evaluation. You don't want one test to be what diagnoses you. That's why one survey isn't enough. One standardized test, just the QB, the QB, and they will tell you this should be used as part of right. an evaluation process. Because just one test, I mean, think about all the factors that play into that. We have people, matter of fact, I'm meeting with someone today who did the QB. She freaking rocked it. I mean, I was like, whoa, how did she do so well? And I can't wait to talk to her about it and find out what her reaction was to the test because she did so great. But everything else that we did shows major executive function issues, lots of inattention, and so I'm like, okay, if I just use that test, I'd be like, no, she doesn't have ADHD. But when I look at everything, I'm like, she yeah. actually does have it. She must have We've found had, it really fun. I bet. I bet it we was have like, students yeah. have, that, that have said that was kind of fun. I'm like, are you crazy? But they do. They, they're big video game people. And it's not that if you play video games, you're going to score well on it. Right. But some people do find it. They enjoy the challenge. I think that's twisted. When we do the test in office, someone <laughs> has to sit. Twisted. Someone has to sit in there and observe because we have to make notes and observe. I have to take my phone and I can't even sit for 20 minutes and observe the person doing it because of my oh, wow. and I'm medicated. I like we'll play Candy Crush, watch what they're doing, check the time, how much more long, you know, how much more time am I sitting here? I'll make my notes, but it's inc- it's incredibly hard for me to stay focused. So I'm not the person that will find that test fun. Wow. I've never taken it. I won't take it because I don't want to. I hadn't see it. thought about that. I hadn't thought about like just like even watching someone taking the test would kind of be Painful. torture. Painful. <laughs> and so, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm more... I want to reiterate that I speak very highly of this. Oh, it's test, a great test. I love and it. And I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from taking it. It's 20 minutes of your life, and it's you'll be fine. Valuable. And it's a, yeah, it's super valuable. The um, results from my test were fascinating. Like I said, I had no idea that I like fidgeted in my chair so much. And it's part of the reason why I now have tons of fidget toys at my desk because I realized that like that might help me fidget mm-hmm. around a little bit less. Um, and just the the way that I was tortured from that test really had me take a look at like, okay, why am I struggling at work in this way? It's because I'm super bored in this 
specific task I'm supposed to do. And like it, it's just, it was so validating. And like you said, I got a lot out of each piece of the testing process, but I think it's so important to do them all together and to find a place that does do a very thorough testing procedure. Because like we said earlier, some of them are super brief or eh, kind of fishy, kind of suspect. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really important to do your homework ahead of time. Well, and I think too, what I always tell people when we look at those results, I say, look at this 20 minutes, you know, for the first five or 10, you were good. And then you can see how your attention starts to trail off. So I said, so think about how many 20 minute segments of the day that you have to be focused or longer. So that really helps people understand the importance of taking a break. Yeah. The importance of getting up and moving around because after 15 minutes, a lot of, you know, a lot of people can do well in the first five, 10 minutes. And then the second half of that test, it's a hot mess. Oh, that's, that's what a mine really was. good. Yeah. yeah. That's a good understanding yeah. of, okay, I do need to be able to get up and move around. I do need to have fidgets. I do, you know, like it validates that for them. And it really shows them in a very beautiful visual piece, which we all like that, you know, you cannot sit for that long and do a task. If it's boring, you need to get up and move around. You need breaks because a lot of people try to power through that, you know, their boring tasks thinking, I just want to get them done. And it might take them an hour when really it should have only taken them 20 minutes because they were so bored and so distracted. So it really is a great tool. Um, I, we did not, we have not always had that test. We've only had it now for about a year and a half. And I can't tell you how much better our evaluation process is with it and how much how much more we get from parents especially when they see that they're like wow I didn't realize how inattentive they were but it also helps even like you said adults that are like wow I really had no idea like that I mean that makes sense now I think before when I did it, I saw um, a different, they did a, they showed me the difference between a child with ADHD and a child without and a child that had taken the test. And it was insane. The Mm -hmm. difference between a child that didn't have ADHD and a child that did like there, (laughs) it was so obvious that there was something going on. You know, the other thing we've really found valuable is that we've had people that have come in for other testing, like dyslexia or whatever, who are medicated. And we'll say, do you, you know, do you want to do this just to see how the, the uh, effectiveness of your medication? Um, and they're like, sure. And sure enough, their testing isn't as bad as if they had not been on meds. But I'm like, you might want to share this with your doctor. This kind of shows that you're still struggling a little bit with impulsivity or distractions. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need, you know, it might be smart to maybe make some adjustments to your medication um, we did that for my stepdaughter. We, she came in actually when we first got the test as a guinea pig on her medication. And we were like, we got the results. We're like, well, this explains why we're still having some struggles. So we took it to her doctor. Mm. We changed her dosage and boom. So it can be used also to help monitor your right. medication because you do have that chart on every single report we get. We have the chart of the individual that took the test and then the control group of people the same age who don't have ADHD. And so you can see kind of what it should look like, you know, obviously with little kids, we don't expect much. So the, the, the control group chart is a little bit of a mess, but usually our kids with ADHD, it's just a bigger mess. Um, <laughs> whereas as you get older, I always think like what robot took that test when you see the control group for like some of the adult groups, I'm like, that's crazy. Who sits that still? But apparently people do. Um, yeah, so it's, it's fascinating. A great, it's great to see that like, okay, here's kind of what we would expect. Here's what you did. That is nice to see like, okay. Yes, it is validating because, yeah, I can tell you all day long, like, yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, I'm struggling. But this is the first test that I saw that was like, yeah, I can see you're struggling. 
I can physically well, see it on a piece of paper that you're struggling. And that was really validating for me because like I can explain my symptoms all day long and you can say, okay, I understand. But to actually see it um, in an objective way was really cool. And there's not a lot of that testing available with uh, ADHD. So we had um, um, the valedictorian from one of our local high schools come in for testing. He had been to a, a psychologist. They had done a whole battery of standardized testing, surveys, everything. But because he's so bright, I mean, he's a valedictorian. Um, he scored so well. They said he didn't have ADHD. And he was like, I, and he, this kid was so self-aware and fought and fought and fought. So his parents brought him in. We did the testing again, very bright working memory scores were really high because in a testing setting, when I asked him to give me a series of numbers backwards, he's so smart and such a problem solver. He was developing strategies, but in class, when his teacher gives him multi-step directions, he's not thinking, Oh, I got to come up with a strategy. You know, no one's testing him over that, but that QB was like, take a look at this. Like, here's what's really Mm -hmm. happening in your head. So you may be killing it and making good grades. You're having to work harder than you should. And your school, he scored excellent on all of the standardized stuff. I see that time and time again. People will say in the ADHD community that I have, they'll say, I did great in school. I got amazing grades. Like I went and got my master's degree and I'm like, yeah, but like, how hard was that? And they're like, I nearly died. I worked my butt off like way harder than everyone else. And I didn't sleep. And some people like they end up with problems with alcohol or problems with drugs or like their relationships fell apart during that time. And it's just not what it seems. And people can do super, super well in school, but there's usually something that's falling through the cracks because of that. It's it's very hard for us to hold it all together. They end up getting diagnosed with anxiety or depression. We have tons of adults that come to us that have already been medicated for anxiety and depression. And what we end up finding out is the root cause of that was the ADHD. And that is especially in women. So mm-hmm. typical that because, you know, you kind of fly under the radar with your inattention, but you, you know, it's kind of like that picture of the duck with the feet going underwater, but on top of the water, everything's nice and calm. So they start to develop the, all the parents start to see is the anxiety or the depression, depression I can speak about all day long. Cause that was me beating myself up all the time about how poorly I was doing. And so they're treating that but they're not really getting to the root of the problem. And so once they figure out it's ADHD, they work with a coach, they start different kinds of medication, those anxiety and depression symptoms start to fade because now we're really addressing the root problem. So a lot of times, you know, we talk to people about, you know, don't quit medication, but I really do think that once you kind of get going with the ADHD stuff, you're going to notice that these other things aren't going to be so prominent right? because we're addressing the root cause. So, you know, that's kind of a red flag too. Like if, if, you've made good grades and you have a great job and you're successful, but you're dealing with anxiety, depression, and you feel like, you know, you're struggling, you're having to work harder than everybody else. I mean, it doesn't hurt to just rule it out because it's amazing how many people we see that come to us with those, either with those diagnoses or thinking, oh, I just have anxiety. Well, no, you're anxious because of something. That's how I was diagnosed. I went to therapy because I was having uh, anxiety and panic attacks. And we found out later that it was uh, ADHD that was kind of causing a lot of that. Um, And here I am (laughs) talking about ADHD for a living and not so much anxiety. Because to me, I feel like if you get to the heart of what my issues are, they were uh, ADHD and 
anxiety is kind of number two, number three. Um, But ADHD is kind of the heart of where my issues lie personally. Um, And I do see that a lot as well. So that being said, how should someone go about getting tested? If they think they have ADHD, like where should they start? First of all, like Google, I'm assuming is your friend here. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it really, Google is a great place to start, but I think you want to make sure that when you call that you, you go with your gut. I think ADHD people are incredibly intuitive. We have good guts. Like we can, you know, we're like, okay, we can feel it. Make sure they're, it's not just a 15 or a 30 minute appointment. Make sure that they're really gathering a lot of data. Make sure there is some sort of standardized piece to your test. You want the surveys and the questionnaires and the behavior inventories. Those are important. We want to know what's going on in your life, but also, you know, having that continuous performance. There's another test. It's called the TOVA. It's very similar to the QB. Some practitioners use that. If you can find somebody that does either one of those, we do assessments um, in office, but we also do them virtually. So we we work with people across the country for ADHD um, evaluations. We don't prescribe meds. So we don't, we're not double dipping. We do the assessment and then you take your report to your physician, either your GP or find a psychiatrist um, and and get your medication managed by somebody, you know, local. Um, But I definitely, online is fine. It can be very thorough, but you just want someone's going to take their time and really listen to you. And I I had someone come to me who had all sorts of other issues. um, And at first, I was on the fence about it. And the more I talked to her and the more I listened, I gave a roommate and a sister, you know, inventories to fill out. We en- I ended up coming around and saying, I really actually do think you have ADHD. And, you know, she kind of fought for it. And I was proud of her for that. I'm like, good for you. And sometimes you do have to, you know, kind of to fight for yeah. it a little bit. You want people to That's hear That's a good you. point. That's a good point. Um, advocating for yourself and, and it's really- hard. Yeah, it is hard, but like sticking to your guns about it. And if, if the first person you call, it just dismisses you and you just end up feeling icky about it. Like, just please give it another try with a different, um, a different organization, because, um, there is a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say it, but there are some people out there that just don't even think that women can have ADHD. There's still, there's still clinicians out there that have that point of view. Um, and there's still there's some that think that, yeah, that adults don't have it. There's some that think that women don't have it, which is crazy. And there's people out there that just think that too many people have ADHD. Mm-hmm. So they won't diagnose for that reason, um, which is also crazy. <laughs> That's I like saying too many the... people have allergies. You can't have allergies. Right. Too many people have allergies. Too like, many people have it. Yeah. I, think it's I, just, all I hate that argument. When, when you call and you talk to whoever you talk to, you don't want to just be like, okay, give me your insurance information. Give me your, you know, and here's what we can schedule. You want somebody that is familiar, that understands ADHD. Our whole office has ADHD, which is comical, <laughs> but great because there's a lot of grace here. Um, oh, I but I mean, that. that's what makes us so passionate about what we do because we know what the struggle is real and we understand it. So you want to, you want to go with someone who really has a good understanding of ADHD and all that comes with it. Um, and you can get that feeling just from that phone call. Yeah. Um, so, and, and if they, if you have to wait six months, call around, that is ridiculous. There are people out there that can get you in sooner that are going to do a good job. You do not have to wait six months oh, or longer. That. that is good to hear. That's really good to hear. Well, Lori, I will be sharing uh, the information in the show notes for di- diagnostic learning services. And so you can get in touch with them. If you have questions, I'm sure they'd be glad to answer them. Um, even Absolutely. if you don't, 
want to get tested, you could call oh, sure. and, and just get some uh, answers to your questions. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good place to start. Um, and I love that their whole office has ADHD. I feel like that <laughs> makes it just that much better. And that is how I was diagnosed with my therapist had ADHD. So she not only recognized it in me, but also like made me feel comfortable talking about it because um, she didn't dismiss me, which that is... That happens. That's that's very prevalent right now. Um, is just getting dismissed for how you're feeling, and it's awful. So, um, I I would recommend maybe calling someone like Lori. Uh, just just to ask questions. You don't even need to get tested there. Just just to see, just to get a vibe for how they're feeling. <laughs> well, and I'm happy if you if you've gone through an assessment through somebody else and you have questions about it, or you've talked to another office and you're already scheduled somewhere else, but you just want. I, I mean we're not like, we're not going to rope you in, you know, we're, we just, we want to help. That's what we do here. So if you have questions about any of that, you can email me a call. We're happy to help. Oh, I love that. Well, Lori, thank you so much. I'm of really course. glad for the work that you're doing. Um, it means a lot there. We need more people like you that actually care and are doing a really thorough job with testing um, and that are like understanding and validating. So Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to the resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.